Welcome back to a tale of two rivals plus one. I am your host, your winner, your back-to-back champ, the defeater of Spaceman, Todd FF Banterman Foster. Who else am I joined by tonight? Joined by uh, Mr. FF underscore Spaceman, Dave Wright. I'm excited to be back, boys. Uh, never fear, Sean's not going to replace this guy. Um, but I'm happy to be podcasting with, with everyone tonight. I'm excited. Are we a trio tonight? We are. I'm your lovely plus one. Who are you? FF Walrus, Sean Kennedy. One What's more up, Kennedy? ring on my finger than Dave Wright has, which always needs to be brought up. The beginning one plus zero is one. That is correct. But one plus zero is not two, Sean. Just remember This is that. true. This is true. Just remember that. Dave, uh, when are you going to win your first title? Uh, you know, I think uh, as soon as uh, the, the Cosmos stops screwing me over, basically. Uh, that's what oh, I'm it's the Cosmos. <laughs> All right. All right. I, 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 I've seen that your frustration has now turned you to other competitions like grilled cheese cook-offs. Oh, you know? Not, oh, goodness. Oh, that, that actually is an interesting topic, Todd. But uh, needless to say, I am extremely confident. In my grilled cheese making ability. So, in our quarantine, we played a uh, an online video porku game together, and Dave ruthlessly ripped into my grilled cheese uh, for my snack, and I didn't take too kindly to it. Was so it I grilled? Am, was it grilled, Todd, or was it just like two pieces of bread with some butter on it and some cheese in there? Did you even cook it? It, Gosh, was, it, it was. It was limp. Ugh, ugh. Todd, I was concerned with the speed that you whipped out three of those sandwiches. It just doesn't that seem was, feasible. Gentlemen, that was the point. It was supposed to be for substance. It wasn't supposed to be for show. It wasn't supposed to be perfection. But now that I've been called out, I'm going to beat down Dave like it's the championship. (laughs) And we all know how those things end. I win. All the time. That's all I do is win, Dave. Correct? Sorry, I was was just enjoying a nice little gin and tonic here, Todd. I I just tend to black out whenever you go on those rants about winning. That's fair, man. I I, I would too if I don't win. It's all good. So, uh, how are you guys holding up with your uh, social isolation? Kenny, why don't you go first? Tell us what you've been up to. Not a lot. I have read a lot of books. I've played a lot of Assassin's Creed. I've done <laughs> a lot of fantasy football stuff. My apartment's never been cleaner, so I guess that's a positive. But You've, you've put out a ton of articles. Where can they find them, and what did you write about? Uh, kind of a mixed bag, a little bit of everything. So, you can find them on Dynasty Fantasy Factory. Dynasty Football Factory. That, thank you, Dave. Um, <laughs> that's that, that's you right for Sean. Yeah, just just you know, some quick hitters. What to think of Julian Edelman in a Bradyless world? What to think of Stefan Diggs now that he's in Siberia? And just a couple other interesting notes, statistical facts, other things I, to kill some time with. I'm actually finishing up um, a buy article by positions for contenders and rebuilds. And my next article I was going to do was going to be on Edelman moving on from Brady. And I was like, of course Sean beat me to it. That's great. <laughs> I love it. But, yeah, so I'm going to have something out in Dynasty Football Digest this week. So if you're a contender or a rebuilder, I'm going to give you some suggestions on why receivers to look at. All right? So, um, Dave, what have you been up to? Um, not too much. Obviously, you guys know I won't say it, but I had a couple of personal things that have been kind of rough the last couple of weeks. So I'm... Trying to put that stuff behind me. Excited to be back with you guys. Um, I had did a big overhaul on my uh, college prospect database. I added a bunch of stats like uh, NCAA passer efficiency and um, fantasy points scored for all the college prospects for eighteen hundred prospects. And and also I'm working on an article. I'm pretty excited about looking at um, how offensive production has changed in college football over the last twenty years. Um, so I'm looking at how and by conference and like looking at how rushing and passing stats have changed and then how we can use that to as far as projecting um, players in the NFL because obviously we can't compare you know, if the if things if the college football is not the same as it was in 2005 then it doesn't make sense to compare it to that or like player stat standards so I'm just curious to see what that changes and I, I've uh, liked what I found so far so I'm pretty excited yeah uh you know, Dave loves his databases. He puts a lot into them. It's going to be a lot of freaking good information coming out of that. So, um, so yeah. So, um, 
yeah, I've pretty much been, you know, quarantined with an 18-month-old and my wife the whole time, which has been absolutely wonderful, and the 18-month-old's kind of exhausting right now. Not gonna lie. But, um, but yeah, so anyways, um, I think we should just jump into this. We've been having five minutes of banter. I'm going to demolish Dave and a grilled cheese off when this is over. And uh, the topic at hand today is the free agent frenzy. So... We're going to kind of do it by two divisions per episode, and the two divisions we're going to start off with are going to be the NFC North and the NFC South. Um, the reason we picked this is is because the NFC North by far had the most action going on in it. And uh, we're going to break it down by what the moves were, maybe what was added, what was lost, what it means, the relevance for players on the teams. And I also decided to break down uh, a little bit of updates on lines and see how those things are going. So, um, hey, Kennedy, you did such a great job at the show notes. Why don't you kick us off and tell us what the first team we're going to dive into is? Well, obviously, everyone knows it's on the tip of everyone's tongue. You got to talk about Brady going to the Bucks, the old geezer going down south. Heartbreaking up here, exciting down there. Um, but, you know, from a statistical fantasy football standpoint, does it matter? Obviously, marketing, jersey sales, all that, just excitement factors, probably off the charts already. But if you're a Chris Godwin guy, if you're a Mike Evans guy, if you're a Brady guy, you know, what does that just mean for these guys? And I don't think I like it. And I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say. I'll jump well, right in. I'll, I'll jump right in, Todd. And I'll just say that um, – I, I, so the first how I approached this is that I wanted to look at, I compared how Brady and Winston's seasons were last year. And I wanted to look at how they performed and then what that meant for the other skill position players in Tampa Bay. Um, basically, I found out that they both were really very inaccurate last season. Both, both players were. Um, they had a terrible, they were very low in their true completion percentage, which factors out drops, throwaways, and batted balls and stuff like that. Um, they both had the third worst bad throw rate in the NFL. So, like, they're just, which is, just, you know, how many bad throws they made. Like, they were, like, 20% of their throws which um, were off target. And Brady was a little bit better being on target overall. But, um, and also Brady had, has a, was a significant upgrade as far as turnovers are concerned. Brady is not going to throw as many interceptions as Winston, um, which is, uh, it Winston was atrocious last year in that. But, uh so I'm really so, but as far as what Brady brings, I think this move means more for Brady than it does for actually the weapons to go along in Tampa Bay. I'm kind of I have a couple of other stuff, Todd, but what do you think about that? I'm gonna fill in because I think Todd slid out for a second. I think oh, my, okay. Oh, all my right. biggest concern, and just to piggyback off everything you just said about Winston's turnovers and inefficiencies, the Bucks were permanently playing from behind. And they're just heaving it up to Godwins and Evans. And as a fantasy owner, you love to see that. But if Arians can manage a game more efficiently now that he has Brady and not Winston and they can, you know, hit their spots a little better, stay in the game a little bit more, I mean, just the volume for these guys, I feel like naturally needs to fall off a little bit. So so I, that's a good point, too. Like, um, as far as the volume is um, – you know, Winston with all the turnovers, that uh, turnovers kill drives. And when you kill drives, that, that takes away red zone opportunities. It takes away fantasy points. Um, and with Brady, when he, you know, you'll see, while you might not have the same volume, hopefully you'll get an increase in efficiency. Mm, point. Um, with, and more opportunities in the red zone. But like you said, I, I mean, I'd have a hard time seeing Brady leading the league in throws in, in uh, attempt, pass attempts next year. Yeah. Would you guys agree on that one? His arm would fall off. <laughs> I, I mean, he's not exactly like as young as he used to be. Um, I mean, I think the nice thing about Brady is, is like what you guys were saying, like if Aaron can figure out a way to like manage the game better, like Brady is like the ultimate game manager now. You know what I mean? Like he's like Trent Dilfer on steroids now. You know what I mean? But um, Todd, is that a shot? Are you saying that TB12 method involves some kind of performance enhancement? <laughs> no, actually, I should not. My bad. Just. Just, just, just a great diet in Pilates. Oh man, Tom, I'm sure you're never gonna listen to this, but I'm sorry. But um, yeah, but no, I, I, I think that. So the thing for me is that like it, it's definitely gonna be different. Like Winston was like, I actually like what Kennedy said. We were talking about like available free agents at the last show, and he compared Winston to uh, Big Ben, which I hadn't thought about before, but it was a good comparison. He's a gunslinger, and he's got a powerful arm. He's gonna sling the ball. Brady's arm strength is not the same. You know what I mean? So um, 
and like the way they used to swing the ball and all that, like I, I do think they need to be able to be more efficient. So yeah, I don't see them leading the league in pass attempts anymore. You Todd, know, but uh, I hate to say it, man, the numbers kind of don't tell the same thing about Brady's. He had a better deep ball um, completion percentage than Winston last year by significantly. Um, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not talking about from completion percentage. I'm talking about the whole idea of like how far he can air it out, which is something that like he would throw. You wouldn't throw the ball nearly as deep as what I'm saying. Okay. Well, just like deep ball completion percentage, you know, like throws at 20 yards or greater depth. I'm, I'm aware of that. Yeah. But um, I also could say also is – when you come, when you're thinking about with that, you're also talking about with being part of the same system too. I, for me, I, I guess it's like to wait and see, but I do think that Tom, with the deep ball, is something that would concern me in that system. You know what I mean? But, um, anyways, I actually really want to get into whether we think the guy's stocks are up or higher by his teammates. You know what I mean? Like, like really go into the stock check when it comes to. Uh, the big the big names there. And then I want to throw out a, a couple of guys that I think one's going to make Dave smile. Would we so. all agree, though, that Brady, this move to Tampa Bay improves Brady's fantasy outlook for 2020? Yes. 100%. 100%. 100%. Okay. okay. 100%. Um, so for stock check, what about Godwin? What do you guys think about Godwin? Is this improve, go down, say about the same? I think down. Down? Yeah, by a little bit. I think last year um, he was right around wide receiver six, wide receiver eight, depending on your format. You know, yep. kind of back endish wide receiver one, um, and just again without without that target volume, with the questionable deep ball. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm not sure. I see that's. I mean, the kid is still an unbelievable athlete, unbelievable talent, but I think he definitely is going to have to be forced into a little regression and, you know, kind of slide maybe into like a mid to low high end wide receiver two. Okay. Dave. Right. I just took off the sweatpants. The pants are off boys. Whoa. I'm ready to battle about Chris Godwin. I'm oh ready to goodness. go here. I, um, now I, so I actually, I don't think this actually changes significantly. So this is where actually probably semantics. I actually don't think this changes too much for Godwin and Evans. I think it's rel- there relatively stays the same. I could see, a slight uptick for Godwin compared to Evans, just because Godwin has a small or a lower um, a dot. He's a ten point eight a dot last season. Evans had the fifteen point three a dot, and Brady likes to th- doesn't throw the ball as deep as Winston does. So you could see, and then also Godwin runs more out of the slot, and we all know that Brady likes his slot players. I could see Brady um, using Godwin a little bit more than that. So I really, I actually, so if anything. I mean, I have Chris Godwin as my um, wide receiver two overall in Dynasty right now. So, and that move did not move him down at all for me. So, I have, I love Godwin. All right. Uh, I do not have Godwin as number wide receiver two. And I like that you disagree with my point that you argued with me about before. So, appreciate <laughs> that. Um, wait, so, wait, wait, what are we talking about? I said that Winston throws the ball further down the field than Brady. You argued me that, and you literally just said the same thing. No, I, I said Brady is better at throwing the ball better downfield. I'm saying that Brady. That's not. That was what I was arguing. Not that um, that Winston. Winston obviously throws the ball deeper. He had a higher, um, more air yards per attempt, and yep. all that stuff. But my point being that Brady throws the ball at a um, lower target distance. I'm pretty sure everybody knows that Brady's probably more accurate than Winston in every sort of regards. I mean, I'm pretty sure every QB in the NFL is more accurate than Winston. Everyone, in every t- everyone says. Well, you just said Brady's arms falling off. Like I and I heard on I'm, two podcasts today, yeah. people talk about Brady has no arm anymore. I'm not saying that he's have no arm anymore. I'm just saying his arm strength's questionable compared to Winston's. You know what I mean? So like the so for me, I don't think Godwin's stock. I I have Godwin exactly the same because the reason with Godwin is I also think that he actually is able to run a lot more screens and intermediate routes too. He's not a guy that needs to get down the field. He can catch the ball and do things after the catch. So I think that for a guy like that, I actually think that he's about. I have him probably about like, uh, I don't know. I think I had him like six or seven. For dynasty wide receivers right now, um, maybe five. I don't have my list in front of me. I'm going to get it now so I don't make an ass on myself later. But, um, yeah, so I think, like, Godwin's pretty much at the same level. But I, what I do think is the potential for him to be better is definitely there because if he can build a rapport with Brady, he's the guy, I think, that fits what Tom does well the best. Now, the guy I actually think takes a pretty significant hit is Mike Evans because of my point about Brady's arm strength. Evans doesn't really do much after the catch, right? So he really gets a lot of balls 
20 plus yards downfield, jumps balls, you, he's, he's a big bully, and he does it well. And that's what he's been doing for a long time. Now, I'm not saying that Tom can't do that. I'm saying that Tom probably won't do it as much, and I could see them being a little more efficient and working through Godwin and some other guys, so I don't see Evans getting those opportunities down the field as much. So I think the guy who takes the biggest hit in this offense is Mike Evans. What do you guys think about Mike Evans? Dave, why don't you go ahead? Oh, all right, Shiloh. Thank you, sir. I mean, I'll just say too, Todd, I think we both actually are saying the same thing about Chris Godwin, except we have our overall ranking of him different. 100%. Yeah. So... Um, but then about Mike Evans is, I, I agree. I'll, I'll, I'll say I agree with you that um, Winston's decaf attitude is Brady doesn't have that same thing. But Brady has been known to do um, throw 50-50 balls to Gronk and Randy Moss back in the day. And I mean Brady in two thousand seven is a lot different than. Did Brady you just now. say Randy Moss? You know how long ago that was. I I, I, I just <laughs> there a little. But the point is that Brady has a track record of doing um, throwing up 50-50 balls, and Mike Evans is one of the best 50-50 ball receivers out there in my opinion so what about his receivers at michigan dave can we go that far back goodness i don't think well i'll have to check the database todd but no i think that's before 2003 so i don't have those receivers so uh move on I'm sorry but <laughs> so uh but uh does not compute anyway continuing um <laughs> uh, but mike the thing about mike evans is is um i think i overall see now i'm all flustered i'm off but uh the pants might have to go back on but um Anyway, so Evans is what I like about <laughs> what I like about Evans is, is that that Brady, while there will be less turnovers and things of that nature, which will hopefully see an efficiency in the offense overall, but the volume will probably decrease um, because there you know there won't be as many pass attempts. Hopefully, there'll be closer games, so a different game script this year. So I, I guess I could see there's a more of a risk with Evans, but I, overall, I don't I didn't move him down my rankings at all. But I think the level of certainty in his his production is is less certain. Yeah. That was a long roundabout way of getting there. Yeah. So, Sean, what do you think about Evans? Um, I kind of like him. I think that you know Brady has shown a penchant for dissecting the defense at the line, which Winston had, and having somebody like Evans that he can kind of manipulate and move around. And if he's able to pair him up where he wants him to be and exploit mismatches with him, I think that can be huge. I think statistically, Evans probably ends up in a similar position he did last year, but just – a little bit more efficiently and a little bit better for fantasy owners. Um, I'm looking at his stats right now, and he had three games of almost 200 yards each and combined for six touchdowns in those, which was two, th- three quarters of his touchdown rate. And then his other games, he didn't even crack 100 yards yeah, or come with right. 90 yards. You know? right. So I think the deliberateness that their offense is going to take on, that efficiency boost that they're going to get, like Dave highlighted, is going to be really good for Evans. So he'll probably, I think, see yeah more red zone after, uh, more red zone opportunities would be a good thing for Evans. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. That's true. That's something I've definitely overlooked when I've thought about it. So I think the, the volume standpoint. might take a little hit, but I think the usage and the efficiency for him is going to go significantly up from what it's been for the last year or two. Okay, so here's the other thing. So when it comes from an efficiency standpoint, right? I don't think we should go through the other four smaller pieces. More just talk like touch upon some other guys, you know. But um. Like, O.J. Howard is a phenomenal athlete and a phenomenal talent. And what Brady's done, because we're Patriots fans, we've watched him our whole life, is he spreads the ball around, right? So, O.J. Howard in the red zone just screams to me a weapon for, for, for Brady. Am I that confident in making that move for him? Not only if it's for dirt cheap, but um, he's the guy who I actually think that's probably going to benefit the most from here because he's got nowhere to go but up. Um, the other guy I actually like a little bit as like a deep, deep sweeper. If you're, uh, if you have deep rosters, I really like Scott Miller. Um, I like Scott Miller as like in that third wide receiver part, just to be able to from a PPR standpoint and just, you know, just to kind of be like your wide four, wide five on a, on a depth chart. But, um, what do you guys think about Howard or some of the other pieces for Brady? Johnny, why don't you go take Yeah, I'll, I'll jump right in. So if I had Howard right now, I think I'd be selling. As I think with Brady coming in, everyone's Fair. making these grunt comparisons. The price never has been this high, and probably never whoa, will whoa, be again. Whoa. I just want to go on. Just want to go on record. I'm not comparing him to Gronk. Never said that. Just saying that. No, just I'm not saying sure you are. Know. I'm saying generally I know. I know that right. That I, narrative is being threaded as we speak. I I just want to make sure no one even fucking. I'm sorry. Does no one expects me to do that? My bad. Yeah. Go no, on. I I wouldn't make that comparison either. But that's what everyone's <laughs> gonna say, right? Just checking. <laughs> All <laughs> right. But Todd I just think made it actually, an unfamily friendly show. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. 
Todd, you want to talk deep sleeper guys like Watson? I'd say go buy your Cameron Brates everywhere you can. Yeah, that's a good call. Says think, the you know, I watched corner. a decent amount of Tampa games last year, and Howard definitely got on the bad side of Arians. You know, he broke routes mm-hmm. wrong. He had a couple of, like, probably two or three interceptions that Jameis had was Howard either jumping up and tipping a ball that was never meant for him, catching a ball and just turning around and, like, dropping it right into the receiver or the uh, cornerback's hands, or just some other kind of shenanigans that he does to force the turnover. And... Like you said, we've been watching Brady for a long time being from up here, and if you get on his bad side, if he doesn't feel like he can reliably put the ball in your hands, you're dead to him. You just don't exist. Yep. It's like a Black Mirror <laughs> episode where yep. he puts the shades on and you're just a gray box in his field of vision. And I think you know Cameron Brate is not nearly close to the athlete that O.J. Howard is. Maybe doesn't have the same ceiling from an athletic standpoint, but he's efficient. They had actually similar amounts of targets last year. He gets a lot of red zone work. He just restructured his contract, so they do have a definitive plan for him, it seems like. So they don't cut him, you mean, basically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much, right? <laughs> but, but they decided to keep him around instead. And I, I just I think he can be one of these guys that slides in kind of out of nowhere, whether it's you know a Howard injury, which have been known to happen, or... Howard turnover inefficiency drop ball whatever Brady says get him out of here and Cameron Bray could really step back up to like 2017 Cameron Bray I really like that take and not to mention Brady's has always been friendly to more than one tight end yeah so yeah Dave so I mean I obviously I, I I'm looking through our dynasty roster right now and I, I noticed that that Kennedy has Cameron Bray on this uh on his roster and you know I think it. that what well, you don't no I said you know it Oh yeah! Oh, I was about to say because I think I just I'm getting notifications about Sean pumping him up in this podcast and then sending out trade offers trying to sell Cam Brate to everyone. So, but I, I mean, he I, he I, is available, Dave. That's where you want to take this. <laughs> <laughs> Fair but, enough. Uh, no, I think you do bring a good point about uh, just to comp or just to expand on your thing about Brady's trust um, issues um, with uh, wide receivers or receivers in general. Um, I'm curious to see how our current world, uh, how it is with travel and not and them canceling OTAs, and I wonder if mini camps are going like all those things. I'm curious if this is going to hurt Brady because Brady has been notorious for skipping out on training camps recently. He ha- and if he's not going to be able to practice with his receivers on the um, in the off season, I'm wondering what his um, leashes he's going to have for players. If he's going to, you know, if Mike Evans is you know not is not coming down is not getting yak yak yards or you know, Chris Godwin makes the wrong move or, or O.J. Howard makes a mistake because there's not a lot of practice time for an, in a new system and a new environment for Tom Brady. I'm curious how that effect will have on the entire offense because um, I know everyone's really high on it right now. So I'm, I'm just wondering if, like, current life situation could change that. But that we don't know the answer to that, obviously. Yeah, but, fair. Let me um, ask you guys two two questions, <laughs> predictions. Does Brady and the Bucks receivers go to that rich people town in Wyoming or wherever that he went every year with Edelman? And does Brady go to OTAs this year? If assuming it all happens and the world gets back on track, yes, the both. So I, so I think it's I think OTAs are officially canceled. I um I think it will be about actual training camp, and I think it will go to training camp. But I think I don't think they'll go to Wyoming because I think um, the spurned lover Edelman has already booked all the rooms um, <laughs> in Wyoming, so he doesn't want Brady taking anyone out there. I pretty much the, so I guess to rephrase my yes, I would say that any opportunity that's presented to him to be with that new team and to be able to build chemistry, I think he's going to take advantage of it. I think Tom's excited for a new opportunity and a new challenge. He, yeah, he, yeah, probably re-energize re- re- him. Yeah, I, I, I definitely see him reinvesting in this. So um, do you guys see – so let's talk about, like, any other pieces joining. Do you guys see them adding a back either by signing or by draft? Do you, What do you guys think? Do you think this offense is – pretty well established as it is or you guys see them adding any other major pieces i'll say um quickly because i actually forgot to mention about oj howard i think that there's been a just overall pieces in general oj howard people are saying how about tate tom Brady loves to throw to tight ends well he didn't last year when he didn't have a tight end and he had the world or he had like two uh or he had one hall of fame tight end and a pro bowl tight end in hernandez and gronk so i think the 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 thing to saying that oh um O.J. Howard automatically is boosted because of Tom Brady. I think that's a fallacy that people shouldn't be relying on that. Just, I mean, I like O.J. Howard. I think we all, all three of us like O.J. Howard. But I don't think we should just let Tom Brady 
um, be the signal lettuce to, to Tom Brady. And I mean, I'm more of a Justin Watson guy over Scotty Miller, but I have both yep. of them on our on our league roster, so I don't care. Whoever whoever rises to the top, let's do it. But I think this is definitely a place for running backs to land in the draft. Um, and also, too, where, I ha, I see here that Sean I wanted to talk about uh, Ronald Jones. John or Sean, where do you have Ronald Jones right now? Um, pretty pretty low. You know, I think yeah. he'll definitely be in the mix, but I don't really see him getting huge increase in volume because, like you said, I think. I'd be shocked if they didn't add somebody in the draft. I think two scenarios exist. Either one, they sign, they get somebody pretty high who can catch reliably out of the backfield, which Rojo has shown isn't his thing. Um, or, you know, they go get somebody like Chris Thompson who can do that and kind of do a backfield by committee and take a swing at somebody who's a little bit lower. But I think somebody is definitely coming in. Jones had two years to show that he has the potential and – he hasn't. Right. I yeah, I um one guy that I actually think would be an interesting fit from like a rookie standpoint would be Endo Benjamin would be a good fit for this team. And I don't really know what his draft capital is gonna look like. He's a guy that's over to the map. I can see them bringing in a receiving back and kind of like playing to what Jones is and doing like a like a back by committee thing, but it really just depends on like who's there. But there's DeAndre other Swift guys. would be best case. Wouldn't you guys love to see DeAndre Swift here? Not gonna happen, but I mean, I think they have. They, I think they have bigger needs. Yeah, you know, they're gonna go um, O line. Heavy yeah, they have to go O line. I mean, their line was a massive issue last year. I mean, their QB got hit 106 times last year. It was six in the league, you know. And I think the big thing with with that number is you want it, like the sacks were lower because Winston rather throw a pick than take a sack. I think, you know. Um, they didn't really make a lot of moves in the O-line either. They, they signed Joe Haig, who's going to be the new like right tackle. He's a good player. He played four spots for the Colts. Couldn't break into the starting rotation after like getting his job taken away after an injury. But he's a good he's a good pass blocker. But the draft's going to be where they're going to where they're definitely going to have to find some sort of need there. Like the offensive line was rough last year. So um, and also the defense they resigned like everybody. They're they look like they're in pretty good shape at the defense. But, um, yeah. Do you guys have anything else you want to say about um, skill position? I, I, I kind of want to take some some guesses on where we think Brady's going to land as a QB finish. Quickly, I just want to say that um, that's a good point about the all-line, Todd. I should mention that Brady had, was one of the worst thrower um, passers under pressure last year, and he had a, a much better O-line in New England. So that's another factor we should factor in when we're projecting yeah. type of offense because we all all of us know that Tom Brady at times can start to, to um, feel imaginary pass rush um, and his clock right. can speed up. So that's something to bring up, and that's important that they do boost the offensive line in the draft. I And I think both of you guys know that I've been on the record saying that I'm pretty anti-Ronald Jones, but he's right now he's QB I mean, RB36 right now in DLF's February or March um, – Dynasty startup uh, ADP. Um, I whereas like Darius Geis, Darius Geis is going like RB 29, 28 or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think with how good we think this offense could be, there is a um, Ronald Jones could be a nice arbitrage Darius Geis where there's a lot of upside. I think that people aren't baking into Ronald Jones. That being said, we saw Ronald Jones get pulled last year for missing a pass block. I can imagine Brady's yeah. reaction if Ronald Jones did that again. So, but. Anyway, that's that's all I have to say about the Tampa Bay at this point. My last thing about Ronald Jones is he's not worth buying until after the NFL draft. End of story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah never there, buy a running there's, back. There's, there's no reason to speculate what he's going to be to this offense. All right, so realistic expectations for Brady. Where do you guys see him in a QB finish? So, like, is he going to be, like, the QB1, the QB2? Like, what are we thinking? Sean, why don't you take Yeah, I'll swing? take the first swing. I think... Um... Low-end QB1, but a QB1 for sure. So, okay. you know, something in the range of like 9 to 12, maybe. Maybe nine's a little generous, but I guess I'll drop the pick one there. Pick one. 10. QB10. Okay. Dave? I don't have a real thing. I think he's a high or a low-end RB, R, QB, QB1, so anywhere from 10 to 12. Yeah, I had him as 12, so... We'll, we'll give you 11, Dave. So, yeah, so we're pretty much all the same thing. Like, like 10, 11, 12, we're pretty much thinking that he's an end, which is pretty crazy to think about that Brady's in that category again by just moving the teams because we would not be saying the same thing if he was in New England. I mean, uh, I'm not drafting him in any situation um, unless it maybe it's a dynasty startup, but with the buzz around Brady right now, I don't think you could even get a good value on him in, in dynasty startups because 
I'd rather, I mean, I'd rather have Drew Brees over him. I'd rather, um, I'd rather have a rushing QB, a lower end rushing QB and redraft. So, I mean, I don't think I could see Tom Brady being a player on any of my rosters. Unfortunately. I, I could see him being a target to, to a team in a rebuild that has Brady. Like if I'm in a rebuild and I have Brady, I'm going to try to get something for him right now. You know what I mean? Like you got to get it while the, you know, while the stove is hot, you know, but, um, what the price is obviously don't overpay but if you're a contender and you could use a second qb or you could use a third qb i would definitely kick those tires and see what can come out but yeah i would imagine the price is too high right now um all right next team that took a long time so i loved it though so the new orleans saints drew Brees is back so obviously that's a good thing for the saints so uh, Tyson Hill, who plays like what, like seventeen positions, uh, is officially their backup heir to the throne. Do we guys think that he's going to be the guy who's going to replace Breeze when it's all said and done? Yeah, maybe. Um, I think he is till he isn't. I think they but use I, him a lot in a lot of different ways for a guy that you'd think they'd be protecting a little bit if that's the role they see for him. Exactly. That's exactly what I think. If he was supposed to be the next guy, they wouldn't be throwing him in the tight end. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? <laughs> so, um, yeah. I um, I mean, obviously, like, this is a great news for the Saints. And particularly, like, it's great news for anyone who owns Michael Thomas. <laughs> you know? So, um, Breeze, you mean, not Taysom Hill? Yeah. Are you saying Taysom Hill? Yes, no. Breeze. Breeze. Oh, okay. Breeze. <laughs> Are you are you serious? Follow along. No, no, well, we were, I think we were just talking about Taysom Hill right now. Yeah. That's what we were just talking yeah. about. Dave, the pants but, need to be back on. You're following yeah, behind. Yeah, Dave, Dave, calm, oh. calm down over there. All right. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, but then, you know, obviously with MT, you know, with him getting the volume, he's got another hand. He's, there's another mouth to feed in this offense with Manuel Sanders, you know? You know, he might be on, um, on his fourth different Super Bowl team. What do you guys think? possible the Saints go to the Super Bowl? I need to say yeah. one thing because I'm all revved up to say Taysom Hill is a, car- a terrible QB. I think that's a downgrade <laughs> for the free composition. I think any Saints footy pajama wearing J-POW enthusiast is crazy to think this is a good thing for the Saints. This actually would should limit people's enthusiasm for what could happen because T- uh, Teddy Bridgewater was perfect as a backup. Taysom Hill is a downgrade in his career 15 pass attempts. Um, he will torpedo any fantasy-relevant player if he makes it onto the field. If Drew Brees, how old is he, 41? Um, he missed a bunch of games last year. So this is the bad news for the Saints. I think any person who thinks that Taysom Hill can be a relevant quarterback or support fantasy players in New Orleans is crazy. Taysom Hill is garbage. Get him out of here. Wow. I'm, also, I think he's a good person. I'm, I'm, I'm literally texting J-Power right now what minute of the podcast this is in. <laughs> Um, yeah, so anyways, so great, Dave. Thanks for going oh, off about I, the backup also, quarterback. Also, so, he um, vultures TDs from Breeze. He vultures TDs from Kamara and Latavius Murray. Get the freak out of my fantasy league. God! <laughs> so Dave really doesn't respect the fact that the man is a very good actual football player. Dave, what so, so great, great, great on the excellent Great on the fantasy roster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good Lord. <laughs> Uh, that's so. That's why when we were when you were talking about Breeze, I still wanted to get back to Taysom Hill. <laughs> uh, so let's go back to Emmanuel Sanders now. So, um, Sean, what do you think about Emmanuel Sanders? So, like, what do you think this means to the Saints? I think it's fantastic all around for everybody. I mean, they've been hurting yep. for a reliable wide receiver too behind Michael Thomas forever. Yep. Um, and you know, even just not even a wide receiver, a second pass catcher, because really you got Thomas running around all over the place. You got Kamara out of the backfield and Taysom Hill. It's like your third receiver, and I yep. don't know how Dave feels about that. Um, <laughs> so I think I think they're going to use Sanders all over the place, and he brings a ton of experience, which is awesome. He's not you know somebody coming in trying to learn a system, figure out how to play. He's twenty years old. Um, yep. I think he's going to be a huge asset this year, fantasy wise, reality wise. Somebody that definitely should be a, a lot of people's targets. So one of the things that makes me excited about Sam Sanders is is that. Typically, when you see a guy that gets put into a new situation, you always think about whether he could adapt, right? Well, he was actually better with the 49ers last year. Granted, Denver's wasn't a good Joe offense. Joe Flacco for eight games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say Denver's not exactly a good offense, but he still came in and learned an offense. It was a good wide receiver for a team that went to the Super Bowl, you know, like midway through the season. So, I mean, he, he adjusted pretty well. The guy's a pro. Like, it's a great wide receiver, too. Um 
Yeah, I mean, and it's crazy to think that he might be on four different Super Bowl teams when it's all said and done. That was that was Sean's note. I liked that a lot. Um, so, is this the death of Traquan Smith's value? Dave, you've been talking about this guy forever. I mean, I love Traquan Smith. Um, and he's done I'm nothing. Still, I think I love how this... Well, he was a, he was a great... Um, target in rookie drafts but anyway besides that um <laughs> oh great Dave. good job <laughs> All but, right. uh, um i really like i like i mean i'm gonna say i agree with you guys i love um emmanuel sanders um coming to saints it's a big upgrade for that offense i think it's going to open up things for kamara out of the backfield um i the unfortunate thing is that thomas sanders and traquan actually have all kind of similar depths of target they kind of do all the same things even though i think this moves Traquan. I think Ted Ginn's not re-signed right now. I don't think he's joining the team again. Um, so I think this moves Traquan Smith. If you look at his um, efficiency by his depth of target or racer, he's actually pretty good down the field. So I think this might let him play that a little bit more and to his um, skills. So that's be excited for Traquan Smith there. But overall, I think it's, you got to temper your expectations. The, the upside of him being a, a top 24 wide receiver in the New Orleans offense is no longer there. Um but there's also a lot of room. I think there's gonna they're gonna add a wide receiver at the draft too because they don't. I think they lost a couple of their depth wide receivers too to other teams in free agency. I believe like Kirkwood. I think he went somewhere. Yeah. So Kirk, I, I think Kirkwood so went I think, to Denver, uh, Detroit. I think right. But yeah. But I do Carolina. like the idea of having Carolina, Sanders. Right. I do like the idea of having Sanders, Thomas, Traquan, and um, the tight end who is escaping me, uh, Jared Cook. Yeah. Um, I think I like. I think that does a lot, and I think. We're going to see a lot out of Kamara, who had, had the same type of usage last year, despite having that injury, which he reported that that held him back a little bit. It was just his TD rate. His TDs were held back, and that's that can be random at times. So people are de- are a little down on um, Kamara. So I think this signing, while is going to help the offense as a whole and help Kamara. So I'm excited for what this is going to do with the New Orleans Saints offense. Yeah, people aren't down on Kamara. That's why I traded for him in our league. I was pretty excited about that. So... Um... Yeah, so uh, <laughs> so uh, Emmanuel Sanders, man. Yeah, I love him. Um, what do you guys think is like a reasonable trade for Emmanuel Sanders? Like, for like um, from a draft pick standpoint, for me, obviously, if we if you're like a rebuild team, there's no reason to go get Emmanuel Sanders. If you're a contender, I'm totally fine giving up like a mid second, which I think's high. I think a low second's like a is is an instant accept. So. Um, what do you guys think is a reasonable price for Emmanuel Sanders? I'd even I'd even maybe kick it a little higher just based on the ceiling. You know, if you're a team that's going for it, you got to take the gamble somewhere. I think this is a good one. I might even go, you know, high two, like two two, maybe even. Two, that's fair. Two. I like wow. that. Wow. I like that. Go big or go home. I like it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Shoot your shot, right? Yeah, sure, absolutely. I mean, also like with the high two, like you know, you could be seeing like Mims or Rugs there in in certain scenarios. So like. I think for me personally, I don't think like I would make that move because of what I'm passing up there. But if you're trying to shoot your shot and trying to catch me like you should be, Kennedy, you should probably make that move. Um, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Rugs going to be available until the fourth round of Dynasty uh, Rookie Draft. So Enough <laughs> out of you. Stop. <laughs> Stop. No, but no, I'm, Stop. I'm doing a late t- late second, 210 to 303 or something like that. I think that's what is appropriate. So, So you're unrealistic. No, I mean I don't. A three oh three, a third round pick for the second wide receiver on the Saints for a non-competitive team, um, and would I mean, would not be trying to get a thirty-two year old wide receiver. They already have. If he's already on their roster, they would take a. Come on, they they would definitely take a late second for that. There's no way I'm not trading. Yeah. The chance at Justin Jefferson, Ty uh, Higgins. There's no way I'm trading an early second for something like yeah. for. Sanders. My thing is, like I said, like mid second, I'd, I'd have to think about it. I probably would accept it. But late second, I would probably pull the trigger on that. You know? It's fair value. I think late second's fair value. It's all, You're asking too much for mid second. It's all good. He's already on my team, anyways. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, now, another thing that actually got, uh, we have to keep in mind is they did make a big move and uh, brought back Andreas Pete, who's like a great left guard. And now that keeps like phenomenal offensive line intact. So. That was a big signing. That would have been a big hole. He's one of the better guards in football. So, um, yeah, I think the Saints offense, obviously adding Sanders and keeping everything pretty much intact, looks great, man. So um, let's move on to the Panthers. And uh, oh, Yes, I'm excited for this one, too. Let's do it. Yeah, so, I'm excited uh, for everything right now. I'm pumped. So, obviously, the big <laughs> news out of the Panthers 
is the signing of Keith Kirkwood. It was huge. It was a big move. Uh, obviously, um, it's about Teddy Bridgewater. Like, Teddy Bridgewater is finally getting his shine. He's finally getting that opportunity. Um, so, Teddy Bridgewater on the Panthers. Guys, initial thoughts. What are we thinking? Sean, I'm going to cut you off here because I think Todd just did a huge disrespect for a MVP fantasy QB and Cam Newton. The big news is Cam Newton is not returning to the Panthers. That's it's a broken heart. Broken heart, Todd. You and I both love Cam Newton. I dude, I'm fine with it. I'm moving on. Like he has one like he, he like it looks like he's in pain when he throws a football. All right? Let's 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 look at the future here right now. I'll let Teddy you, well, Teddy, I'm Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, go well, more over there. Well, I'm mourning. I'll let Kennedy talk about Teddy Bridgewater. But what, I, come on, we need to pour one yeah. out for Cam Newton. Uh, you go pour one out for Cam Newton, okay? <laughs> um, Sean Bridgewater, what are you thinking, dude? I think good for him getting back up on the horse, getting paid. Um, but if I had stock in the Panthers wide receivers, or if I was you know Robbie Anderson owner, or somebody looking to maybe pick up Anderson depending on his landing spot, I'd be a little worried. You know, he had the lowest average depth of target last year, which if you own. Christian McCaffrey, hey, right on. That's awesome. He's going to continue to get that volume. Wait, who owns Christian McCaffrey? I don't know, Dave. Maybe you do, Sean. Oh, you wow, do, man. man. What a plug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think you know he'll he'll do CMC things. I'm a little worried though for everybody else. I think Bridgewater himself might have some decent value, but you know DJ Moore. This was going to be the big year for him. I was a big Curtis Samuel truther last year, and that didn't work out at all. And yep. I don't know. I just I think for a rebuild team, it's an interesting move. Um, I'm not really sure what they're going to do with him, or you know, if they're really even be good in the three years that he's there. But I don't know. It's just it's lukewarm to me. I don't really like it. Dave, do you have a take on yeah, Teddy I, Bridgewater? I do. So Todd, okay. you and I, I believe we're, we loved Teddy Bridgewater back in the day when he first was with Minnesota. Um, I I do. I I yeah, still, I still yeah, love Teddy Bridgewater. Still, so I, I was a little lukewarm at first, but then I, I just did a deep dive um, while I was looking, doing some research for the show, and Teddy Bridgewater is extremely accurate. He was the fourth most accurate QB in the league last year, limited sample size, but still fourth most accurate. Um, he was very good in a clean pocket, So and um, temp, or, nor, uh, Carolina had a decent line last year, probably took a couple steps back, but um, however, Teddy Bridgewater does not do well under pressure. He took twice as many sacks. Or he took the same amount of sacks as Drew Brees in half the amount of games. Um, so I'm not sure how that could do on a, on a worse offensive line. But the thing with Kennedy talking about is depth of target. The depth of target, um, or dot of his throws, or, or whatever, however you want to phrase it, is not a QB stat. That's an offensive system and a wide receiver stat. Um, so I think moreover, moreover, or moreover um, I like t- um, what Teddy Bridgewater does here because we have to remember it was Kyle Allen was the QB last year and then maybe yep. like Will Greer at times. Yep. Teddy Bridgewater is definitely an upgrade over him. Um, I mean, I don't think I don't. The problem is maybe you're not going to get the, quite the ceiling, but um, Teddy Bridgewater is definitely an upgrade over Kyle Allen. Um, I think this looks. I like this as a DJ Moore owner who is really good um, close to the line of scrimmage and intermediate part of the field. Actually, he's great everywhere, but he's really strong in the intermediate part of the field. I'm excited for. What this does for Curtis Samuel, because with Robbie Anderson coming in, who's going to take the deep targets, Curtis Samuel was miscast there last year. He's, you know, was a college running back wide receiver hybrid. He and if you look at the stats, it was two years in the or three years in the NFL, he's better close line of scrimmage. I think if you cast him there, um, this, that's the uh, the ideal configuration for the wide receiver in this offense. I'm like, very excited about that, um, as long as the offensive line holds up. Yeah, uh, off face value, I'm buying Teddy Bridgewater as a Q, mid QB two with upside in this offense. I mean, I I totally see where Sean's talking about with the with the deep ball, but I mean, what the production they put up with a guy who, like Kyle Allen, threw picks in the NFL and in college, like he's not a good quarterback, you know. So Teddy Bridgewater's always been accurate. That's always been his mo, you know. He's he so he's going to be able to get the ball in spots. The guy who definitely benefits the most is CMC, no doubt. Because being able to, like, just have that check down and all that, like, Bridgewater's going to live and die by that. And they're always going to play through the best player in football, you know? But DJ Moore, I definitely see his stock going up with a better QB. Curtis Samuel, I I can see where Dave's point's coming from. I'm kind of torn on that. I see his stock going down, being the third choice with Robbie Anderson taking the deep targets. I think Robbie Anderson stretches the field. I don't see him being very, like, I could see him 
from uh, overall at the end of the year being the second wide receiver in points on that offense, but I see him as being boom bust every week. He'd be maddening to own. But I really, really like Bridgewater from just because of his accuracy. But the thing that really makes me nervous about Bridgewater is that it's a bad line. <laughs> it's, it's a really, they really bad line. What a stupid move. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, so they, they gave up the most sacks in football with 58. You know, they had a lot of QB tits at 102. So that's, one, that's seventh most in the league. And then they go and get a two-time Pro Bowl left tackle that's coming off a, like a huge blood clot issue and gave up a five-time Pro Bowl guard. I, that was a really weird trade for me, you know? So it, Purely contractual, like contractual, I think. it was the, They didn't want to pay him top three guard money. Yeah, so it's... I'm, I'm, I can't find the guy in my name. It's Russell... Somebody help me out here. Oh, Kung. My bad. Yeah, Russell Kung. Russell Okun, there we go. Russell Okun, so like, Russell Okun, like, yeah, he fills in that need. Though the only thing I can really say about the line being a little bit better is, at the very least, like, Russell Okun comes in, he's an upgraded tackle, still a lot of question marks, he really wasn't that good when he was playing last year, and then they brought in John Miller, who really isn't that good, but he's actually a good run blocker, so that might help CMC. So this line could even be worse. Yep. Oh, it's definitely a downgraded all. Yeah. This is a downgraded line. Yeah. For sure. So, like, though they added two pieces while giving up one, that one piece was 26 in a five, he's been in the Pro Bowl five consecutive years. Then you got a guy who's 32 playing your left tackle who's been having health issues and declining in performance. And then you bring, the only thing I can say about John Miller is, I don't know, he played college with Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe that will work out some way. But other than that, I don't know. Um, yeah, I will that... say, Todd, I will say, Todd, those line, those sack numbers are misleading because Kylon held the ball too long. They actually had yeah. overall a fourth rated pass, passing, pass blocking offensive line, but Kylon was so terrible that mm-hmm. he took a lot of sacks. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing though, is like, I, if you actually do go through their line, none of them really graded that high. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's a particularly good line. Yeah. Um, definitely a downgrade, but it's not yeah. like a, it's not like yeah. a, uh, end of times type line. And I, Sean and I talked about this last week. We don't see Cam Newton starting in the NFL anymore. Like, he, he's going to be a backup somewhere. So, Dave, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I think one part of the reason why Cam Newton's not with uh, Carolina anymore is the foot injury and the unknown of the foot injury. But also the organization, after getting a new owner in 2018 and a new coach this year, there was no organizational loyalty to Cam Newton, even though he's been the face of that franchise. Um, there's been a little. There's been a lot of reports about Cam Newton not being a team player. He doesn't stretch with the team. He uh, doesn't listen to coaches as much. So I could see why a new coach coming in would want a coachable QB like uh, Teddy Bridgewater coming in. But right. I mean, I, I was disappointed. I would have loved to have seen Cam Newton in Chicago. That was really disappointing. Um, I would have loved to have seen Cam Newton in New England. But I, yeah, like I said, I think he the best situation is for him to maybe go in for to a Pittsburgh to back up to Ben Rossberger or. Maybe uh, San Diego, you know, or LA. I mean, that's the problem. There's no, there's musical chair. The, the music's ending with Cam Newton, Cam Newton not having a spot. I think Chargers make the most sense for me, but at the same time, I also could see them drafting a QB and letting Tyron start. So, um, <sighs> Sean, any closing thoughts here, buddy? Um, just does Matt Rule concern you at all? Just the unknown of him coming in, new system. Can they pick it up? That's actually, dude. Wow, that's that's crazy. We haven't even touched about that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, actually, it does a little bit, but I mean, he was somebody I didn't really know a lot about, and I former mean, Temple coach. Yeah, I mean, he's he's he, everywhere he's gone, he's built up like programs, you know. And uh, Baylor definitely is not has exactly been a slouch in football, but you know, they were they were very good when he coached them. So, um, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I think I don't know. I honestly don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll jump in real it's quick. It's a great I mean, question, Sean. What a take. Matt Rule, Matt Rule, the thing is, like, if you look at you. Denzel Mims, <laughs> um, Denzel Mims, he can't, he had a very high or high depth of target. So I think that the Baylor offense is a, um, a deep down the field offense. I think 
Um, also, I think they're bringing in Joe Brady from LSU, right, to to be offensive coordinator slash passing game coordinator. Yes. So, I mean, I, there's a lot of things to like on paper, but we had a lot of things to like on paper too last year in Cleveland. Um, so, I you want to temper your expectations, but there is a there is a sky there is a very high ceiling you could think about in that offense with CMC and a lot of those weapons on the outside. And if they are a deep down the field type offense, people who have Robbie Anderson should get a little excited, even though Teddy Bridgewater doesn't have, like Sean was saying, a lot very high A dot, but he actually was very good at had a very good accuracy down the field. He had the fourth best accuracy down the field last year last season. So I think there's a lot to think about. There's a lot of unknown, but there is a there is a high ceiling there. Absolutely. Sean, great question. I was stumped. I, I'm like, my God, I have a new coach. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I um, I guess we'll see, man. But, um, all right, let's move on to the next team. Falcons. Not the Falcons. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, they, had a big, they had a big signing. Todd Gurley, you know, Georgia back, back in Georgia. Sean, what's this mean for the Falcons? I think it means big things for the Falcons. I think it means big things for Gurley. Um, first of all, one year, $5 million. I mean, that anybody should have taken that swing for Gurley. Guy's a stud. And yet, last year was a mess, but it was a mess for a variety of reasons. Obviously, the knee is a big question mark, you know, going all the way back to the end of 2018. Um, but I have a little stat here to drop on this. So... When Gurley was, I'm excited. Oh yeah, Dave, get those pants back <laughs> off. When Gurley was the running back one in 2017 and 2018, he had 98 and 97 targets those years. Last year, he only got 61. Now, last year, he obviously wasn't on the field that much, and that's partially responsible for it. But there was a lot of scripting going away from him and just away from the running backs in general. There, their offensive line was also hot street trash. Goff was hot street trash. The whole team was just hot street trash. From 2016 to 2019, the Falcons averaged 100.5 targets to running backs. So right back in that same vein where Gurley was so effective in 2017-2018. This is a high-volume offense. It's a great offense. And if Gurley's plugged in and his knee is good enough, like anything above a B or you know B, B-, minus, I think he could really be RB1 territory next year. Dave? So I, I mean, I hate to pump up one of another one of Sean's players he has on our in our home leagues roster, but um, I think Todd the the demise of Todd Gurley was a little bit overplayed last year. Yeah, the what the Rams' lack of usage of using him was a little bit disconcerting, and them not being honest about his knee injuries was disconcerting. The fact that they got rid of him and took that huge uh, dead cap hit for cutting him that's also disconcerting, but. This, you know, to echo a little bit what Sean said, he still had, you know, while he didn't have that number one or number two overall snap share or opportunity share last year, like he did in uh, 17 and 18, um, he still had the six overall snap share last year and he had the number nine overall opportunity share. So he still got a, a you know, RB1 level usage or, or, you know, top, you know, RB, RB1 or like top 12 or, you know, what I'm trying to say, overall usage. Um, I just think what, and to echo what Sean said, it was the big thing for, Gurley last year was a decrease in offensive line efficiency. They were number one overall in 2018 in offensive line. And then they were like, you know, below average last year, according to Football Outsiders offensive line metrics. So that's the, and then also he went from like 71, 80 targets. I think it was 71 or 80 targets. And, and I, I can't remember what John said, but when I looked up, it was like 71 or 80 targets in 2018. And now he only had 50 targets last year. That's a big deal. Devonta Freeman had 70 targets. Last year, so that if you saw a twenty to thirty target increase for Gurley, and you know if they're on a one-year prove-it deal, you could see them using, you know, like running him into the ground. I'm excited overall, but there is also going from LA's offensive line, which was not very good last year, to Atlanta's offensive line. That's another downgrade. So we really need to have him using the passing game for Gurley to return top twelve RB numbers next year. So the one thing I will say about the Atlanta line is is that I think one thing that kind of gets misconstrued with that line is is they're actually getting an upgrade with Chris Lindstrom because he's kind of a pickup because he was hurt most of his rookie year, and he's a he's a good player. Very sound BC guy, versatile. So they're Dudley and, Mass, right, Todd? Dudley Mass, right. So that's a guy who's going to get inserted into that. Matthews, one of the best tackles in football. So, yeah, they, they have some questions, particularly at left guard and right tackle, 
And, I mean, and what I'll put it like this, without Lindstrom there too, like, it was bad. Like, they gave up, you know, you know, 138 QB hits and gave up 50 sacks. You know, that's terrible. But Lindstrom getting in there, they draft the guy, they maybe look for a vet. That line could shape up pretty easily. Is it going to be a top line? No, but it could be respectable. It, it, it's, it's fixable. So, for me... I'd really like if they can address the line a little bit more. I'll feel a little better about oh, Gurley. I would love it. I would be excited. I'd be through the and, roof if that happened. And I think they're going to. But I think the thing that everyone forgets about is Chris Lindstrom didn't play a lot last year, and he was they he was a he was a first round pick, you know. So like you're gonna add in a very very good guard into that offense, and that's that's a big deal for a running back. So Lindstrom also can pull really well, you know. So like those are things that like I really do think that that's gonna be a big 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 lift for that for me personally like from a redraft standpoint i look at Gurley as like end of an like rb1 kind of like a landing spot high rb2 from a dynasty standpoint i'm not buying high whatsoever you know like i'm looking at him as like low rb2 i think he'd have a great year this year you can go chase him for this year and then like his injuries are still going to be there um from a dynasty standpoint i would be selling the Wrap out of him right now. Right. Here's a good question. Then. Super flex, <laughs> super flex, rookie picks. Where are you? Go- where are you selling Gurley? What do you, Sean? You have Gurley. What do you take? What would it take for you to move Gurley? Uh, probably something within the first 15 picks. Wow. wow. Yeah. I because well, you know that's... what I think I don't. I would rather sell high, but if you know what, I take the gamble on him being like Todd said, a RB two, low end RB one this year. I'm happy with that. And that would be that gamble to me would be worth a mid second or whatever you guys are gonna say. For Gurley to be an RB one, he has to stay healthy. True. And so we're gonna bank on that. I, I'm not. You know, like just because he's in a new place, still the same freaking knee. You know. So to me, it's like that's where my concern comes in. You know. But if I were Sean, I actually think he's selling too low. I'm yeah, either, same here. I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah. Like if I, I if I had I, a 204, I'd be like, oh yeah, Sean, take this. Huh? Yeah. I mean. I, I would hold out for like you know a late first. You know what I mean? I think one ten's yeah. appropriate because Clyde yeah. Edwards Hilaire. Would you rather if you're a, com, if a competitor? Would you rather have Clyde Edwards Hilaire or would you rather have Todd Gurley? That's I think that's where we it comes down to. Yeah, I think it's competitive versus rebuilding. Right. So um, of course you know. So um, yeah. So I mean, I I do think that you know I I think like I don't agree with Dave having that the line went down. I think the lines actually improved him. I think being a, a receiving back in that offense is huge. Um, I think that my biggest it, it's still just his health. That's it, you know? And like the wear and tear on him, that's 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 the the problem being Gurley. I think it I think Todd Gurley is a huge move for the thank you for the Falcons more than it is for fantasy value. I think that's what it more is. It's more of like an actual football move in my eyes. So I mean, so then the other big pickup they had, well, I wouldn't say big. In my eyes, actually, I thought it was a, it was a really, really good pickup was uh, Hayden Hurst. Um, that was an interesting pick. I mean, that was a first-round draft pick that got it's out. Terrible first-round draft pick, but. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It was a terrible first-round draft pick. He's got a great story, and that, though. I and love then his they story. Take Mark Andrews in the second round? Yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was it was lower weird. than the second. Yeah, his third round or something. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. I no, I think Andrews is a fourth round draft pick. Um, But Hurst, um, that was a great move. I actually think that Hurst. I mean, Hooper's gone. He's got opportunity right there. There really wasn't a great backup there. So I think it was an interesting pick. Um, Sean, what do you think? Thoughts about Hurst? I think it was a great move for Baltimore to cash out. I was never really a Hurst guy. I was baffled in the draft when he went up there. I remember watching the draft. The analysts were, we were baffled. Everybody was baffled. I yeah, I was texting Dave about it. It just made zero sense. I was a big Mark Andrews guy in that draft too. Um, mm-hmm. So then when he went to Baltimore too, I figured that was just an eventual death kneel for Hayden Hurst. But I think he still carried some. You know, He's got the pedigree. He was hurt for most of his rookie year. Mm-hmm. He saw some action last year. And the Falcons, they needed somebody. Like you said, their backup situation was bad, so why not roll the dice? I think yeah. from a fantasy aspect, I'm probably not really buying. If I had him, I'd probably be comfortable sticking. I wouldn't buy. You know, if I was redraft, maybe I'd take him in the last round. What, what about you here in tight end premium? You're starting two tight ends. How do you feel about your tight end, too? Mm, not great. <laughs> Not great, Bob. Um, 
<laughs> I still think I'd want him. I think he can do better. I think he can do better, and you can probably yeah. get him for cheaper. Yeah. Sean, I, Sean, I agree here, Todd. Yeah, all right. I Well, for me, I just think, like, the upside and the opportunities there, you know, there's nothing behind him, you know? And if they draft somebody, it's a rookie. So for this year alone, there's a plenty of opportunity there. And you know what the number one reason I like Hurst is? He's cheap. Like, you're not going to be spending a lot of money on Hayden Hurst to get him on your team. Like, you're looking at a guy who's going to possibly be the tight end one and the team that throws the ball the most, right? And, like, he's not going to cost that much. He's literally done nothing in his career. But he's better. I can't even name the backup tight end. Caden, is it Caden Smith? Is that his name? No. It's some guy, Graham, who, like, oh, I... Oh, yes, Graham, yeah. yeah. who I, like, I'm pretty sure I picked Caden in the 52nd Graham. round of a startup this year, you know? But um, my thing is that, like, that's why I like Caden Hurst. It's just opportunity, you know? And it's, it's what offense he's attached to. So I think that he's a very sneaky move for, like, good value that you can get real cheap. Uh, and I tried, and it didn't work. So, um, <laughs> What'd you yeah. offer? I honestly don't remember. I offer a lot of trades. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I actually like Hurst just because of, the like, what the value would be there. Um, now, the big news is... They, oh, can we say, can I get real quick about Hurst, Todd? Yeah. I think the best part about Hurst is, is that... It, it boosts Calvin Ridley's value because you don't have um, uh, Austin Hooper taking away those intermediate targets in the middle of the field. Yep. That's where Ridley takes. So them citing Hurst, who I don't think, I think Sean and I kind of agree that we don't think, expect a lot out of him, that submit, that submit I think that um, cements Calvin Ridley's value going forward for the Atlanta Falcons. I think when you look at the, I'm not a big splits guy, but when Austin, Austin Hooper was in compared to when he was out, um, uh, Ridley's production went way up, so I'd be really excited that Hurst is there. Um, I this is a, definitely a perfect sell time. If I had Hayden Hurst, I'd be selling him right now because people are, are just like Todd; they're getting a little excited. I'd be selling Hayden Hurst right now because overall, he's you know he came in his age late. Like Todd said, it was a great story, great character guy. Been, I actually think he's been overcoming a couple of uh, personal demons off the field, but he's powering through it. So I hope he does really well. But um, what do you I think, think you're getting for Hayden time. Hurst? I think I, I think you should be able to get a mid third for him in a in a tight end premium league. Okay, so starting tight end. Yeah, so you're so a mid third for a starting tight end is somebody going crazy. Unfortunately, because tight ends don't matter that much. Yeah. Okay, so if you're in a tight end premium league and you're getting a starting tight end for a mid third, that's crazy. That's yeah. I, oh yeah. No, yeah. no, I'm no, no, no. I'm saying that's what I want to do. That's what I'm saying. That's ideal. I want to get him mid third. I'm, I'm training for a mid third. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that, I think that's a great buy price, phenomenal buy price. Yeah, yeah. and not to mention you're picking him up in a good passing offense. Like I don't understand that, but anyways, I hate to tell you, but Ridley, I see his value going down when they take uh, a wide receiver at 16. Quan so. Treadwell doesn't solidify that. So, Quan <laughs> Quidwell, baby, he guarantees they're going to draft. Somebody. Is he finally going to be a thing, man? My God, probably not. He's like the Rick Astley kind of a guy for fantasy, man. Never going to give you up. Never going to let you. He just lets me down constantly. Um, all right, so we thought we were going to get to the NFC North, but we love the NFC South, so that's the entire episode. Um, so before we go, I think that what we'll do is we'll each have one takeaway to uh, leave you with. So, uh, Sean, what's your one takeaway? Buy high on the Bucks. Buy high on the Saints. Buy high on the Falcons, sell high on the Panthers. Dave? Well, there's a reason why Sean and I are actually rivals in our, our league and not you and I, Todd, because we disagree strongly here. My biggest takeaway is that I will pay the iron price for DJ Moore. I love me some DJ Moore. Um, I am one of those people who has DJ Moore over Odell Beckham in Dynasty Leagues. Give me DJ Moore everywhere. I love him with Teddy Bridgewater. And, yeah, Tom, I, yeah, give me, some, give me some DJ Moore. DJ Moore or Christian Kirk? All right, DJ Moore, come on. <laughs> so, um, for my value buys, my two value buys right now, I would say are Emmanuel Sanders and Hayden Hurst. My do not buy is Robbie Anderson. I do not like Robbie Anderson in that situation, and I do not like Bridgewater as a quarterback fit for him. Great, great point, Todd. All right, on, Robbie Anderson going to a new team. I agree. 100%. Yep. All right, Sean, where can they find you, and where are you writing? Uh FF underscore walrus on Twitter, writing for 
Dynasty Fantasy Factory. Dynasty Football Good Factory. Sh- Damn. <laughs> yes. Writing for that. Still new. It's still new. The it's social distancing new. is turning my mind to Swiss cheese. I like it. So, uh, Dave, can you tell them where you're writing correctly and what your handle is, buddy? So, I'm writing over at uh, Dynasty Football Factory. I'm loving having Sean over there. Um, we're, I'm, I'm really looking forward to get more interaction with you two on Twitter. I want to, you know, start. Let's let's take this thing to the twi- the Twitter sphere. Let's go. Let's um, let's take the rivalry there. Um, but yeah, you can find me at FM underscore Spaceman. Look for some upcoming work on NF- or NCAA conferences. And yeah, Todd, what about you, man? All right, you guys can find me at FF underscore Banterman. I'm also writing for the Dynasty Football Digest. I'm going to have an article out this week. You can also find us at A Tale of Two Rivals on Twitter. Uh, we want to hear from you guys. We love talking to everybody. And um, yeah, well, you know, let's just, just keep it what's hot in the streets, everybody. All right, so I do not have the music queued up, so I'm just going to say stay breezy, everybody. Oh, I love the banter tonight, (laughs) guys. Love the banter.